Come on, good morning, Action Church here at Winter Park, Sanford, Oviedo, South Orlando, everybody watching online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Tyler. I'm actually an associate pastor here at the church. And really what that means is a couple of times a year, I get the opportunity to, to teach like this, and I'm excited uh, for that this morning. Uh, in fact, uh, my family and I, we've been part of Action uh, since we launched the church, since the beginning back in 2014, and it's really been a, a fun year for us this year. My son, who just turned 12, joined the A-team here at Winter Park a couple of weeks ago, so just really a special... Special thing, this church is so special to me, uh, so special to our family. I know it's special to all of you, and uh, I wanna just take a minute and honor God for all that he's doing in and through our church before we even jump into anything. Uh, just an incredible, incredible thing that we're part of here at Action Church. Well, here's what I wanna do today. I, I wanna have a little backstage pass for everybody here uh, this morning. You love a good backstage pass? Come on, have you ever had like a, like a, a, a concert backstage pass where you've got a, a chance to go kind of behind the scenes Maybe at a sporting event, you've been able to get down like on the field or, or see a locker room. Uh, maybe it's just the Indiana Jones ride at Hollywood Studios. Come on, that's, that's a classic experience. That rock, it gets me every single time, right? It's coming down, you think it's gonna get crushed. Never does, but I'm always, I'm always in. There's a backstage kind of pass, and that's really what uh, I wanna be our, our filter for today. You see, since we've launched the church, since we started the church, Pastor Justin and I have had several conversations about where do we teach the church church doctrine, meaning the, the deeper things of, of God. And for the last six years or so, there's been a team working together to, to create a resource. It's actually a book, uh, and it, it, it's all about eight kind of core beliefs, eight core truths we think that every Christian uh, should know. Consider it kind of like a doctrine for dummies. Uh, and so there's more to come, and we're gonna debut that resource to the church in the spring. And like I said, as we get closer to that, you'll hear certainly more about that. But I thought it would be fun today uh, to get a little preview of that content uh, and kind of preach a message today from the first chapter of that book. And so before we jump into that, I think it's important to kind of have the right filter for today. So I know you showed up to church uh, expecting to come to church and uh, an experienced church, but I think that the next uh, 34 minutes, according to the clock that we have together, is gonna be like more of a classroom uh, experience, okay? And I know that makes some of you sweaty. You know, you graduated high school, you don't wanna go back, graduated college, don't wanna go back, but just take a second right now. Think about like your favorite classroom experience, all right? And I used to be a, a teacher. I'm a retired English teacher, but, but go back to like your favorite class. And if my son were here, he'd say his favorite class is lunch right now, all right? That's kind of his joke, and it's a funny joke, and I respond with, well, son, it looks like you're failing the lesson on how to keep ketchup off of your shirt because it's all down the front of you right now, right? But, but not lunch. Don't be that guy. It's not lunch. It's a real classroom experience where you were learning something, right? The, the teacher hopefully was fun, and hopefully we can recreate that here this morning because here's what I believe. I believe that sometimes on our spiritual journey, we just need some information. We just need God to make complicated things simple so that we know the next step to take. And I pray, I pray that that's what today does uh, for all of us here today as we open and, and study God's word. Are you guys okay with that? Does that sound good today? And so here's, here's a challenge. I have a challenge, you have a challenge, right? The challenge on me is to pack a lot of information into a tight window and not overwhelm everybody. Uh, the challenge on you today would be to, to lean in, take some notes. I really believe that God is gonna give some understanding today that's really gonna, really gonna help you out. And so I'm gonna teach today on the Bible, all right? And I know that that sounds kind of like self-explanatory. I came to church, what else are you gonna teach on? But I'm gonna teach on literally 
the Bible today. Uh, we just finished up a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, it, it was just all throughout that series. If you missed that series, go back and catch it on the podcast. But all throughout that series, I kept thinking our ability to, to understand the Bible is so important on our spiritual journey. And as I've mentioned, my son, he's in middle school and 12, and, uh, and he's coming home the last couple of, of months uh, <clears throat> with questions, questions about the Bible, questions about our faith, questions about how do I handle this stuff, and how many of y'all know you send your son to public middle school, he's gonna have some questions, right? And this idea, this idea of the Bible and it mattering and us being able to understand it, it's just been all around me uh, the last couple of, of weeks specifically. And I've been thinking a lot about the conversations I've been having with my son, and that's kind of framed today's message here as we jump into this. And here's the big idea today, the big idea. The big idea is that the Bible is meant to be part of our life. It's not just something that we're supposed to be familiar with. It's not just something we're supposed to read from time to time or come to church and hear. It's supposed to be something that we study. It's supposed to be something that we know. It's supposed to be something that is part of, of who we are. We're supposed to look for ways to apply it to, to our life. In fact, Joshua 1.8 is kind of the theme verse for today. It says it this way. God says to study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I don't know if your journey uh, uh, with God and your journey with spirituality and Christianity has been like mine, but uh, there was a season of my journey that I attended a, a Baptist church. Anybody have a Baptist church back in your uh, history? Yes, great. Sunday school, uh, right? They had this thing over summer vacation that was called Vacation Bible School for the kids. Uh, did you go, uh, anybody go to a Vacation Bible School growing up? Yeah, I'm bringing back all sorts of great memories. There was a song that we used to sing in Vacation Bible School and if you don't have that part of, of your spiritual journey, you don't know what I'm talking about, it's gonna be a little awkward for a couple of minutes, but just go with me here for a second. All right, there was a song, and it's already in your head. I heard someone say, uh-oh, because it's gonna get stuck in your head for the rest of the week. Uh, so on Thursday, when you're singing it, you can thank me for that later. But here's what the song did. It said this, it said, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. L-E. That's right. Yeah, you, go, you know it. You know it, right? And so uh, while that's a, a cute little song that kids sing, that song, it, it has a strong proclamation. That song says that the Bible gives me a foundation to, to stand on. The Bible has power. The Bible completes my life. And I think that it's important to, to acknowledge that and to, to know that. Right? Because here's, here's what I know. It, that, that song is saying that, that there's a security in our life that comes with reading, understanding, and believing in the Bible. But here's what I know about us as, as humans. For us to, to believe in something, we must first understand why it's worth believing in. Right? It's a principle that we apply, take the Bible out of it. We apply it in all sorts of different areas in our life. I mean, think about this idea of marriage. Before you step in and believe in the institution of marriage, you have to understand why it's worth believing in, right? You, you really understand that before you take that step. Having kids, starting a family, you need to understand the value and why it's important before you start having kids. And even after understanding why it's important, you have questions after that moment, right? You're just like, I don't understand why these kids are so challenging right now, right? It's just always gonna challenge you. Think about something like, uh, something like eating healthy, uh, right, and, and exercise. 
I just turned 40 a month ago and I'm trying to understand the importance of eating different and eating healthy. I like a good tasty treat, but I still wanna see my toes, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to, to believe that and understand that so I can start to practice that in my life. Think of something as simple as laundry, right? Laundry, I have three kids and doing laundry in my home is a full-time job. And if I didn't believe in laundry being worth doing, I wouldn't do it, right? And so it's something that's simple, but something that we understand and that's why we practice it. Think of something like making your bed. And I personally don't understand that one. I don't enjoy making a bed and I don't do making a bed because I don't understand why you would make something just eight hours later, unmake it. And it's more of like a question of productivity than it is principle, right? And so I just don't understand that one. So I don't physically do that one. But as people, we need to understand why something's worth believing in before we can, before we can believe it. And chances are, if it's the Bible, chances are you grew up in a home that had a Bible in it. Statistically speaking, nine out of every 10 American homes have a Bible in it. And that doesn't necessarily mean people read it because the average home also has three Bibles in it. But all of those statistics, only half of the people that have a Bible or one of those three Bibles in their home would admit to actually reading it. So there's, there's, this, there's this thing of, of the Bible is around us everywhere. In fact, there's a Gallup poll in 2018. It says this. It says that in one in every four Americans believe that the Bible is, is a source of truth. And here's some common doubts that, that were given, the, the main doubts given, uh, more common doubts given for people. The, the first is this, is that the Bible is just a bunch of stories, kind of like a, a fairy tale for, ch for children. Or the Bible was written by men, therefore it's not perfect. It has flaws. The Bible's too old, so it's not scientific enough. The Bible's filled with contradictions, or I don't need the, the Bible because truth is innately inside of me. I, I already have the source of truth that I need. And, and maybe today you've found yourself wrestling with some of those doubts currently, or maybe in your own journey, you've wrestled with some of those doubts. And I share all of that to, to basically say this, is I don't think we have a problem with the Bible as much as we have a problem with understanding why the Bible matters. And that's the journey that I wanna take with you today. There's two questions I, I want to hopefully answer today for you. The first is this, is why does the Bible matter? The second question I hope we can understand is why can the Bible be trusted? And that's the journey here we're gonna take in the next little bit together. And so let, let's jump into why does the Bible, why does the Bible matter? Why, why is this book something that, that matters? It's a great question, and here's how I'll start to answer it. You see, the Bible is the most read and best-selling book of all time. In fact, in the last 50 years, it's sold four billion copies. That's more than Twilight series. That's more than Harry Potter. That's more than any other best-selling book in the last five decades. And oddly enough, it's the most shoplifted book of all time as well. Right? It, and I think that both of those statistics show us today that, that the world is hungry for truth. The Bible was written over a 1,500-year span. Ch check this out. This is, this is crazy. Over 1,500 years it took to, to write this book from 1400 BC to 100 AD. It was written by at least 44 different authors. None of them, who, whoever really, most of them never met each other. Most of them never met the, the previous author's work. Yet together, these 44 authors wrote some type of cohesive work that we call the Bible today. That's just mind-blowing. Think about that for a second. Over a span of 1,500 years, 44 different men and women wrote books. 
to somehow make sense from beginning to end. That's just a timeline fact. I'm not even asking you to exercise any faith right now yet. The Bible, the Bible, it, it matters. And that fact alone speaks to this book being worth your time, being worth looking at because no other book has, has impacted history like the Bible. Now, I know that all of these statistics, all of these fun facts about the Bible don't necessarily prove that the Bible is God's spoken word. It does prove that it's worth our time and that it matters. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it this way. It says that all scripture is breathed by God. Let me say that verse this way, that, that God is the author of life and the author of life has written an instruction manual on how to experience it. Now go on a journey with me here for a second. About, about 10 years or so ago, there's an office supply company in town called Staples. Everybody familiar with Staples, the office supply company? Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. About 10 years ago, they had this ad campaign. Uh, and the fact that this ad campaign's still in our heads speaks to how uh, practical and important this uh, ad and effective this ad campaign was. But do you remember that that was easy ad campaign with Staples? Basically, uh, they, they had this idea that you're in your office uh, area, there's all kinds of questions that pop up. There's all kinds of issues that pop up. All you gotta do is show up to Staples. And in the middle of the store, they had this red circular button that just said easy on it. It was the Staples easy button. You show up, you push the easy button and boom, Staples has an answer for your problem. And their whole tagline was Staples. That was easy. I submit to you today that as Christians, it's a similar experience. We have all kinds of, of issues, all kinds of questions that, that pop up. And we have a book called the Bible that has all the answers in it. It's our red easy button that if we tap it and have a willingness to, to open it up, we'll find the answers for what we need. We'll find the guidance and the direction for what we need. The Bible, uh, that, was, that was easy, right? And so it's the same kind of, kind of context, the same kind of idea there. And while technology in our world changes constantly, human nature never does. God never does. How we relate as men and women and humans to God has never changed. Therefore, this book is as relevant today as it was when it was first written. Our world, it's full of opinions. Our world is full of emotions. It's full of subjectivity. Our own lives, our own heads, full of fears, full of emotions. And those two things together, competing together, combined together, can make us feeling like there's no truth in our life. The Bible. The Bible is our only source of objective objective truth. Here's the bottom line. Here's why the Bible matters. The bottom line is that the Bible is the only source of objective truth in a subjective world. We're either filtering our lives through our own emotions or we're filtering our lives through God's truth, through his word. See, the Bible matters because truth matters. Hey, I know that just understanding why the Bible matters isn't enough. We must also know why we can trust it. If we're called, as we read in Joshua chapter one, to not just read it, but obey it, well, we can only obey things that we trust in, right? And so let's talk about why the Bible can, can be trusted. And to set that up, I wanna talk about this guy named Voltaire. You see, uh, during the, the French Enlightenment period in the 17th century, there was this, this guy named Voltaire. He was actually opposed. He's famous for opposing Christianity. Uh, and he would print pamphlets and hand them out and distribute them out to people talking about, uh, talking about why the Bible and why Christianity wasn't something to believe in. In fact, he famously said in his life that 100 years from today, the Bible will no longer matter. The Bible will be a non-existent book. Now, chances are up to this point, 
You had never heard of Voltaire before. And if you did, you had completely forgotten about him. However, you've heard of the Bible before, right? And you've heard of, of, of what was going on with all of that. And here's the thing with all of that is, is Voltaire, Voltaire is a forgotten man. However, the Bible is an unforgotten book. Now, history would tell us 50 years after, this is just a beautiful part of his story here. History tells us 50 years after Voltaire's death, uh, the Geneva Bible Society actually bought his house and they started using his printing press, the printing press that he used to, to print anti-Christian paraphernalia. They started printing Bibles with that same printing press. And I think that that's just a beautiful piece of, of that story there. I just love how God kind of does that. Unlike Alanis Morissette, that is a, a beautiful piece of irony, right? And here's the deal. The cultural pushback that we experience today against the Bible and against our faith, it's, it's nothing new. Culture's been attacking the Bible since the beginning. History, it reveals to us, if we look for it, it reveals to us the divine nature of, of the Bible. What's amazing to me is despite the attack, despite the pushback, the Bible has remained the same. The Bible has remained unchanging. The Bible is, is still here, right? Don't call it a comeback. The Bible's been here for, for years. The prophet Isaiah says it this way, Isaiah 40 verse eight says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. See, loud opinions will, will fade, attacks will come and they'll go, but the word of our Lord, it, it stands. And maybe you've heard that phrase before, the, the word of God used when it's referencing the, the Bible, it comes from this verse, and that's because the Bible is full of God's words. See, all the words in the Bible, they, they were written by men, but they were inspired by God. Uh, say it this way, that, that God spoke the words and men held the pen. God used men to write the Bible because God always uses people to accomplish his, his work. And because of that, the Bible isn't just an ancient book. It's not just an ancient text. It's not just historical literature. See, unlike the books that we're thinking of, maybe we're thinking of Shakespeare, we're thinking of Mark Twain, we're thinking of some of these classical pieces of, of literature, those authors are dead and gone. However, the author of the Bible is still very much alive. Therefore, his words are very much still alive. Hebrews 4 says it this way, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There's a word in there I think is important for us to have understanding and context to, and it's the word living. And here's what it means. It means full of life, not dead, fresh breath. Uh, <sighs> I think that's an important part of that word to know. Have you ever read your Bible and had that kind of experience and had that kind of moment when you've read a verse? It just feels like a, <sighs> a breath of fresh air a verse that speaks life to your soul, a verse that speaks direction to your situation, a verse that speaks encouragement to your sadness and sorrow. It's because God's word is, is alive. God's word is alive because God is alive. The Bible can be trusted because, because God can be trusted. And I think it's important to, to note when we're talking about trust, I'm not asking you today, church, to just turn off your brains and just blindly follow God. Obedience to God is important and we must practice that and we must exercise that. But as people, we need to have permission to know that we're gonna come across some difficult parts of the Bible to understand. 
There's difficult passages, difficult verses. Maybe you've been there before. You're faced with a verse that you just don't fully understand. Maybe you don't agree with it in the moment and you gotta work through some things. And when you're faced with those passages, I wanna give you permission to wrestle with your faith. I wanna give you permission to ask questions. I wanna give you permission to pray harder about understanding and asking God in deeper ways to show you how to apply that. God wants you to wrestle with your faith. Let me set it up this way. There's a guy in the Old Testament, his name was Jacob. And Jacob has a wrestling match with with God. You can read about it in Genesis. It's an awesome story. It's an incredible story. But after this physical wrestling match, Jacob wins. And God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Maybe you've heard the name Israel before, right? It's a nation right now that exists. And God in that moment was was establishing his people, establishing his nation. And here's a reason why God changed his name, because the name Israel means to wrestle with God and overcome. God wants us to, to wrestle with him. The nation of Israel, his own people have a name that means to wrestle with God and overcome. It's key to know that it's to overcome. God wants us to to wrestle with our doubts. He wants us to wrestle with our questions. He wants us to, to work through those emotions because he knows that if we do that and we overcome, meaning we land on the right side of it, we really will know what we believe and why we believe it. And I think that that principle alone gives me confidence to trust. God wants us to wrestle with our faith. There, there's, some, there's some permission there that, make me feel, that makes me feel like God can, God can be trusted. The bottom line with why the Bible can be trusted is this, is God is alive and at work in our lives. His word is alive and at work. The Bible can be trusted because, because God can be trusted. So we know why the Bible matters. We know why it can be trusted. And those two things together should lead us to a place where we're reading our Bible, where we're looking to to understand it and also apply it to our lives. And so I think in the time we have left, I think it's important to kind of talk through a couple of filters that are important for us as we're reading and studying our Bible. These are filters I remind myself of on a regular basis. And so if we're reading our Bible, three things I wanna hit you with just real quick, things to think about as you're reading the Bible. The first is this, the Bible wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. The Bible wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. You see, the Bible, we can't interpret the Bible with a modern mindset. Say it that way. The Bible wasn't written from a Western mindset. I know as Americans, that can be hard to to believe and hard to imagine, but the Bible wasn't written from our worldview. We can't impose our understanding of how the world should work onto the onto the Bible. There are things in the Bible culturally that we may not really understand at first, right? Maybe you've been there before. You're reading your Bible and you're saying things like, he had how many wives? That's just kind of odd. That's just kind of weird, right? And you've been there before. You've read some things in the Bible that's, that's just weird. But I'll tell you this, it may be weird to us today, but it wasn't weird to the people that it was written to. We can think about it and illustrate it this way. Yesterday was Saturday. Saturdays in the fall are for college football, right? Football is life in America. And today, if we're talking, you and me are talking, and I'm talking about the Gators having a battle with the Tigers. I know that's a little too soon for some of us. We'll be all right, we'll work through it. But the Gators had a battle with the Tigers. And we're going back and forth talking about how this was an incredible fight. It was an incredible back and forth. It was unbelievable. You wouldn't, uh, you just really wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. 
You guys hear that conversation and you're assuming it's college football, not a literal gator and tiger fighting. However, that would be an epic fight and I'd probably pay for that pay-per-view to see it, but you would not think that that's a legitimate fight. Now, if you fast forward thousands of years from now or, or thousands of years before college football existed and you had that same conversation, the understanding of that conversation is different. The context of that conversation is different. And those people are literally going to think you're talking about a literal gator fighting a literal tiger or sub your team in, the, in, those, in those spots, right? It's, it's a crazy, a hurricane fighting a Seminole. Uh, what, uh, like, a, like an Indian went up against a, a natural disaster? That's insane, right? No, it was a college football game, right? We're in, we find ourselves in those same positions, those same positions when we're reading the Bible culturally. We don't always understand what we're reading. And maybe you found yourself in that same position, right? You think things like, I've never planted something before. I've never had to worry about the condition of my crops or my livestock. There's weird stuff in there. But here's what I'll tell you. If it's weird, it generally matters. Lean into those weird spots. When you're reading your Bible, you gotta note that there are cultural gaps that can lead you to, to, to not having a hard time understanding. Cultural context, that matters. The second filter I wanna give you today is the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Wasn't originally written in English. And again, maybe hard to really understand that, but there's misinterpretations, there's misunderstandings that are commonly connected to our inability to fully understand and translate the Bible. The English language, it doesn't match up perfectly to Hebrew. It doesn't match up perfectly to Aramaic. It doesn't match up perfectly to Greek, which were all the languages the Bible was originally written in. There's, there's differences in grammar structure. There's differences in word meaning. There's differences in the phonology of the words. And many differences exist in that. And these language variances can, can lead to us having gaps in translation. And it's why you'll hear uh, preachers and, and teachers reference things like this word really means in the Greek this, or this word really means in Hebrew that, because they're trying to get to the purest meaning of the word. The language barriers don't mean that your English Bible is, is unbiblical. It doesn't mean that your English Bible isn't a fair Bible to read. It just means that there's gonna be some variances in understanding it. It's not the purest version of those verses. So when reading the Bible, it's important for us to know that as people who speak English, we need to do some work and study words and what they actually mean. There's actually an amazing resource. It's called the Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.com. You can look up any word, you can look up any verse, and it's gonna give you what those words actually mean. It's an amazing resource, thank God, for 2021, when stuff like that is at the touch of our, our fingers. But the Bible, it wasn't initially written in English. Number three is this, is knowing God. Knowing God is more important than knowing your Bible. Knowing God is more important than knowing your Bible. I think there's a lot of Christians, uh, I hear it a lot around when I'm in conversations with people, not just at our church, but just all over the place. A lot of Christians will say things like, the Bible is all I need. The Bible and the Bible alone. And while, yes, that's kind of true, what can happen if we're not careful is that we begin to study the Bible and prioritize our knowledge of Scripture over our relationship with God and, and with others. And just being candid with you today, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. See, the Pharisees were so caught up in their, their head knowledge of Scripture, their, their head knowledge of the Torah, that they completely missed out on Jesus right in front of them. We gotta be careful. 
the Bible plays an important part in our spiritual journey. The Bible plays an critical part in our spiritual journey, but it's not the main part. It can't become the main thing. We gotta be careful to protect that the Bible doesn't become what we worship more than God and his church. See, the fact is, is that God existed before the Bible even existed. The church existed before the Bible even existed. Let me close it down with this. Joshua 1, verse eight, it says, study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. That word meditate, it, it means to speak, to groan, to growl, to roar. And that's a lot of different emotions that it, it's covering in that definition. What that word is, is meaning is that we need to speak God's word in all seasons. That word groan, it means when you're in pain. Growl suggests that when you're angry. Roar, you're excited and triumphant. In all seasons of life, speak God's word. That word obey, it means to observe. It means to keep, to guard, to protect. What that word is really saying is speak it, but also believe it. No matter the season of life, again, it covers all sorts of seasons. When you're feeling attacked, protect it. When you're feeling confused, guard it. Keep it. When you're, when you're looking for the right direction to take, observe it, take notice. Speak it, believe it. See, God knows that if we speak his word and we believe his word, the chances of us doing his word are pretty good. And here's kind of where I wanna make it apply to all of us today. I think all this information is important and it's good and I hope it, it helps you today. But the reality is most of y'all that came to church today would say that, that I read my Bible. And I don't think we have a willingness problem. I think we have a frequency problem. When I look at my own life, it's not a willingness. Yeah, God, I wanna read your word. I wanna study it and I'm doing it. it the, the, the problem is, it's the frequency of it. Joshua 1.8 says to, to meditate on it day and night, right? And have you been there before feeling like, I just wish I could do it more often. I can barely get the day covered, let alone the and night covered, right? And that's just the struggle that we have as people. And what I'm hoping and praying today we can do in the next couple of seconds that we have here together is to motivate us to be more frequent with God's word. Let me illustrate it this way. My, uh, my grandfather, when he was alive, my grandpa, my dad and I, every Saturday, uh, we'd have coffee together. Uh, it was three generations of Altoff men gathering every Saturday. Uh, and then my son was born. It was four generations. It was a pretty cool opportunity there for a couple of years. My grandfather, he passed away about 10 years ago. I think he lived to be like 94 years old, had a full life, World War II veteran, would share all of these just really cool, just stories, survived the Great Depression, just so much like knowledge, experience, just super entertaining uh, and just engaging. It's a really great opportunity. But my grandfather, uh, he wore glasses. Right, and so I've got a pair of readers. I told you that I'm, I'm 40. My wife calls these my Harry Potter glasses. Uh, and so I'll put these on from time to time. My grandfather, he had glasses, not nearly as trendy and cool as these, uh, but we were sitting there talking one Saturday morning. My grandpa, he, he's complaining about, I just can't, I can't see. I need to you know, schedule an appointment with the optometrist. Maybe it's glaucoma, I'm getting old, I can't handle it. I need, I, everything's just foggy and cloudy. I can't do it. So he's talking to my dad. My dad's name's Tom. Tom, schedule something with the optometrist. Man, fix this. This is an issue. My dad looks at him kind of, looks at him kind of funny and says, Dad, let me see your glasses. 
he grabs his glasses off and I'm sitting next to my dad and my dad's like, look at this. There was film, probably like an inch thick on both of his lenses, right? And my dad goes, here you go, daddy. Put him back on my grandpa and no, no lie, my grandpa was just like this. Oh my gosh, it was like Jesus just touched his eyes and, and healed him restored his eyesight, right? He said, oh, I can see everything. Everything's clear. Everything's, everything's back. Blues are blues. Oh my gosh, right? I think that this is just such a good picture of, of our own lives. See, we're imperfect people trying to understand a perfect God. We're always gonna have cloudy lenses when it comes to understanding this world, understanding life this side of heaven. The problem is, is that when we're living with already kind of cloudy vision in a world that's constantly trying to add more on our lenses, it gets more and more and more difficult to, to see through them. That's why we need the Bible, right? Because every time we interact with the Bible, it's, it's God saying, hey, let me see those son. Let me see those daughter. Yeah, there you go. And it's the same thing for us, like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. I know where to go now. I know what step to take now. I know what decision to make now. It's the same kind of experience we have. Why do we need to frequently engage with God's word? Because we frequently need our lenses clean so that we can see life through the right perspective, right? So we can see life the right way. That's what I wanna to submit to you today, that if you can just maybe one more opportunity this week, one more morning this week than you normally do, one more evening this week than you normally do, one more time this week than you normally would do. If you frequent, if you increase your frequency, I promise God will, will help your clarity and help you see things the right way. Would you do me a favor, would you close your, uh, bow your head, close your eyes. Come on all across our room here at Winter Park, at Oviedo, South Orlando, Sanford, everybody watching online. I, I think that this is kind of a really important moment. It's a moment between you and God. While reading God's word is important, we talked about in that third filter, knowledge of God is more important than knowledge of scripture. I believe right now there's people that are in all of our rooms joining us that don't have a right relationship with God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God before, or maybe you used to have a relationship with God and life has happened, your, your vision's gotten blurred and you've disconnected from that. But today is a day that you know you need to re-engage with God. Here's the thing, I don't need to explain a ton because God's spirit is already kind of working on your heart. You, you know who you are, you can sense God now. The Bible tells us that God's spirit is constantly working on behalf of him, pulling people that are lost back into right relationship with him. See, here's the deal, God knows about you the same thing he knows about me, that we're imperfect. We can't fix ourselves. We need him, we need his help. Because we can't fix ourselves, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die a perfect, live a perfect life and die a sinner's death on a cross. The death that you and I deserved. Three days later, he overcame the grave, overcoming death, overcoming sin, and making a way for you and I to have right relationship with God. That is the gospel. That is how we have right relationship with God. The Bible says, if you accept the sacrifice of Jesus, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, he is savior, you surrender control of your life to him, that you will be saved. I wanna ask you today, if you know today that you need a new relationship 
or you need to start a relationship with God, I wanna ask you to respond to that simply by raising your hand. It's a sign of surrender today, just asking God to say, God, today is my day of salvation. Right here at Winter Park, come on, all of our locations. If that's you, I want you to respond right now to God saying, God, today is my day. I want to engage with you. I wanna start with you. I need a relationship with you. It's the best decision you're ever gonna make. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I wanna lead you through just a simple prayer if that's you. Just pray in your heart this prayer that, that I pray out loud. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for this moment, God. A moment I know that you're real. A moment I know that you love me. So God, I respond to that love by saying, I need you in my life. Jesus, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I surrender control to you. God, I acknowledge today that I am eternally different because of this decision that I'm making today. Come into my life. Thank you for it. God, I pray for all of us today. I pray that today isn't just a, a bunch of information, God, for our heads to be filled with. We forget tomorrow or three days from now. God, I pray that there was some information shared today, God, that motivates us to take steps spiritually in our relationship with you. God, we just said that I pray for, for more frequency in this room, that this group of, of Christians, God, this group of believers, we people that are passionate about your word, passionate about studying and understanding more of you, God, because of that, people would take notice. It would draw more people in, saying things like, what's different about this person? The wisdom that they have, the decisions that they make. I want some of that. So God, make us a light in a dark world, God. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can you help me celebrate all those decisions that were just made? Come on. Incredible.